welcome to Voices from the Middle, a podcast by kids, for kids. In this month's podcast, we are going to be sharing our personal narratives, crashes, friend drama, horror, and more. Pine Street students have lived it all, and they are here to tell you about it in our first episode called Getting Personal. Now we have a story about disappointment. We've all been through it. But it's how we deal with it that counts. Get ready for this emotional roller coaster. The Day My Dream Came to Life by Kendall. This is unacceptable, Dad snorted with anger. She should have made the team, Mom added furiously. I had no idea what they were talking about. Even though I was half asleep, I already knew that I was a failure. I needed to know what Mom and Dad were mad about. But what if they wouldn't tell me? I tiptoed over to my parents' room in the hall so I could think of what I was going to say and ask. I was so nervous. My stomach was doing somersaults, going around and around and around. What if the problem had to do with me? Here we go. Um, Mom? Dad? Why are you guys so upset? Did I do something wrong? I asked quietly. Dad commented with encouragement. Hey, kid, you are the best swimmer out there. You know that, right? Well, unfortunately, you didn't make the team. It's crazy because you're so good. Honey, we are determined to get you on a team. We promise, Mom added, trying to sound optimistic. I love swimming so much. I was born to swim. I was born to compete. I wanted to do it more. Racing against people would get my competitive juices flowing. So I crossed my fingers that they were right. School the next day was not going to be fun. I was in such a bad mood. Shoulders hunched over. I had a frown on my face and I was curled up on my desk like I was about to fall asleep. I had no hope left in me. The Manhattan Makos was the team that I wanted to make. But nope, I wasn't good enough. That's right, I wasn't good enough. All my friends swarmed around me like I was the last cookie on a plate. They wanted to know the results. But my only answers were, go away, and I want to be alone. I know I should have been thinking about how I could get better in a year and try to make it later, but I couldn't. It was just too painful to think about happy thoughts. At dinner, I didn't eat. I wasn't trying to starve myself, but I just wasn't hungry. My parents knew something was up. I mean, duh, I love food and eating. And not to eat was a weird thing I would do. But I hadn't wanted to talk to anyone since the night before. I know I should have gotten over it by now. And to try and work harder. That's just not how I roll with disappointment. I couldn't sleep that night. I just wanted to cuddle up with Abby and cry myself to sleep. Then I heard a scream. I ran downstairs and it was Mom. She was smiling from ear to ear. Basically, her whole body was smiling. Mom, what's going on? Why are you so happy? I asked. You made the team! Both of my parents announced at the same time. I don't understand. What'd I do? 
Nothing. It was just a small mix-up. I was so glad that I made the team. But why did the Manhattan Nico say I didn't make the team when I really did? Hmm. Whatever the reason, whatever the mix-up, I was now on the Manhattan Makos. I was so happy. I just wanted to hug anyone I saw. I was so excited to get back at it and do what I do best, swim. Even though I went through some disappointing times, I learned how to deal with it and learned that everything happens for a reason. Last but not least, we have a story of a terrible accident and the worry it caused. I crashed by Zamaya. I was resting comfortably on my couch watching an animal show. I love animals. My mom was supposed to come home and wash my hair, and I was waiting. Then the phone rang. It was my mom. Her voice, her voice was calmer than usual, which made me think something was off. Zamaya, don't freak out. Your dad got in an accident on his way to work. My mom explained with a tense voice. Then she told me to break the news to my grandmother. But grandma was in her bed. Grandma was in her bedroom taking a nap. She was sleeping so peacefully as a baby. And I didn't want to startle her. I waited to wake her up. Tick, tock, tick, tock. I was sitting on the couch just waiting nervously. When she finally woke up, I told her the news. With a low, calm voice and trembling a bit, I said, Grandma, Mama mama called and Dada got in an accident on, on his motorcycle. And he's now in the hospital. My grandmother, she stood frozen for a bit in a different world. But then she came back. She was worried. She was so worried. She was sitting on the kitchen table holding her head. It must have been swirling around with scary thoughts. She asked, why didn't you wake me up and tell me? She demanded upset. Then she called my mom right away to see how dad was doing. She said that he was in critical condition. When I heard that, I felt even worse. I felt I fell into a deep, dark haze, thinking about all horrible things that could happen. The Crash, Part 2. Grandma confirmed me. She said, Zamaya, you cannot see your dad right now, but as soon as he's better, you'll be able to. My life continued as always, school, home, school, home, very boring. My teacher, Ms. Beaton, helped me feel much better. She'd make me laugh so hard that sometimes I felt like I was going to cry. But this was happy crying, not the scary kind of word kind. I didn't tell anyone. I was too scared, and I didn't want to talk about it. So I would put on a fake smile at school, and no one knew that I was going through something. Every night and every morning, I would pray for him to make sure he was okay. My mom was at the hospital for hours every day. It felt like she was never going to come back. And my dad was being kind of difficult. Ugh. He didn't like the hospital food. My mom was so stressed out. She sighed a lot and smiled only a little. 
it was gonna be a long two or three months. One of the worst parts was that my dad lost his memory. He thought it was his granddaughter. What? My grandma took out her phone and showed a picture of me. He remembered me. It did take him a few weeks to get his memory back, but he got it. The day that I got to go see my dad, I was so happy. It was a Saturday, so I got to stay longer. <laughs> it was a little bit chilly, but not freezing. I was wearing Uggs, jeans, t-shirt, and a coat. I didn't dress up because I was going to a hospital and not church, but it was going to be way more fun than church. I got into my mom's car. I sat in the back seat with my seatbelt on. I was so excited I couldn't even play Roblox. It was like bubbles inside of me waiting to burst. But there was one problem. I was so happy I'd forgotten to eat, so my stomach was growling as if it was mad at me. At the hospital, there was a cafeteria with an amazing looking cheese sandwich that looked like heaven. I had to get one. Sorry, Dad, but my mouth was watering and I could not wait to eat it. Finally, in the elevator, I was joyful and the thought of being with my dad and my glorious cheese sandwich. I rode to the third floor. My legs felt like they were gonna fall off because I was so nervous. The Crash, part three. I couldn't wait to see him. My hands were sweating as if I just dipped them in water. I opened the door and ran up to him. I gave him the biggest, fattest hug ever. I never wanted to let go. I sat down on my dad's bouncy bed with a very small table, but it was big enough for me to eat. I was finally getting to eat the I was finally getting to eat with the best dad in the world. My dad and I played our favorite game, which is Uno. Of course I won. Then we went into the game room. He taught me how to play dominoes. I didn't get it, but I didn't care because I was with my dad. The end. And now a classic tale of friendship gone wrong. We've all been through it, but it still causes drama. Now time for some middle school drama. Friends to the End by Isalia. It was a nice fall day, a clear blue sky, sunny, but cold enough to give you chills on your spine. I was in school, third period. My class is walking at a dance. A crowd of kids were surrounding us, jostling for a place in the line. I felt a light tap on the shoulder. It was my friend, Olive. She asked, can you be my gym partner today? Sure, I happily answered. Over her shoulder, I spotted my friend Finn. She seemed sad, as though she was about to cry. She walked over and explained that she wanted me to be her partner. And suddenly, it was like a waterfall of tears. She was mad and sad. And she wouldn't let me get a word in. Olive was standing there, trying to talk just like me. Her words overpowered us. My other friends noticed too. I've never had the chance to explain because all of a sudden, I become the bad guy. I had made Finn cry. I was starting to get angry. I felt like a bomb about to blow, but I thought it would just make it worse. So I walked away. When we were let out to play, all the girls fanned out in different directions to get away from me. 
None of them even wanted to see my face. I feel like the black sheep of the flock. All I asked was to be your gym partner, Olive admitted. I know, we're always together. I don't know why she started crying. Let's just hope we get to explain. After we talked, we played zombie tags with the boys, like usual. It was great to get out of the drama, to clear my mind, at least for 20 minutes. The good thing is that me and Olive won as the zombies in the first time in a while. After the game was over, Mr. B blew the whistle for lunch. We lined up and headed in. We sat at the girls' table. They looked at us like we were crazy to sit next to them. It felt like a kick me sign on our backs. So instead, we sat with the boys. Three days. This went on for three long days. To our luck, some of the girls let us explain, and they were fine with us again. We were able to talk to others now. On the third day, my friend Dylan asked if me and Finn were fine. Yeah, we're good. I was surprised, but relieved. I was and glad it was over. I never imagined that picking a gym partner could cause World War III. Puberty and drama is not a good mix. Our next story is a gut-wrenching, tear-jerking segment about people in our lives. Night of Tears by Gabriella Vaculin. I didn't know what to do. I was caught off guard. I just cried until I threw up. Everything that I'd known for all my life suddenly seemed new. I wish I could stop time. How could someone I'd love so much be leaving my team, my gym, and me? Night of Tears by Gabriella Vaculin, Part 2. The gym was dark and eerie. All the lights were off. The gym smelled like a mixture of bleach and chalk. We were all huddled up by the trampoline, a gradient of buns and ponytails, ready to receive the big news. Rose, a 14-year-old, had been sobbing all throughout practice. Her eyes were swollen as if someone had punched them, and her nose was as red as blood. When the coaches called us over and asked us to put on a mask, we thought one of our teammates were leaving. But the first couple of words had me sniffling. My heart knew it was happening before my ears found out. I was phased. I kept listening. And what I felt was confirmed. Patty was leaving. Our longtime coach and role model, the woman who drove us and encouraged us with her strong commands and warm words. She said she was retiring. Night of Tears, Part 3. There was nothing left to do but accept it, but I couldn't. Since they weren't at the gym that day, I called Emily and Jason to fill them in to what had happened. Jason had not been in the gym for seven months, so I guess she'd want to know. She tried to hide how sad she was by covering the camera. Her voice trembling, she asked, What's going to happen to the team? That's when I realized I didn't know what was going to happen to the team. I was completely oblivious. I told Jason that I missed her and that I would call her the next day. I had something more important to do. I had to get to the bottom of what had happened. My mom had gone to use the bathroom, so I flung the car door open and proceeded to find Coach Patty. She didn't want to go into detail because apparently she didn't want to burden a child with what had happened. Night of Tears, Part 4. She told me a little bit, though, but she held back a lot of the details. She confessed. He mistreats me. I've worked for him for so long, but still he treats me badly. I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. After, I said my goodbyes and hopped back in the car. 
I tried to reach Emily, but she wouldn't answer the phone. News spreads quickly. All the texts fired back and forth like bullets through the air. Native Tears, Part 5. Attachment, one video, Emily. I couldn't hear a thing. What happened? Why was everyone crying? Juliana, Patty's leaving. Emily, wait, what? Gabby, she told us after practice, come tomorrow, because it's going to be her last day. Emily, why is she leaving me? Because she said that she can't take it. You'll find out tomorrow, because I don't know everything. Emily, will she visit? Juliana, no, she isn't welcome here. We don't know why, though. Emily, but she's been there for 40 years. Is she going to retire? I turned the phone off. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to sleep because questions raced through my mind and tears soaked my pillow. All while, my racing heart tried to catch a breath. I must have cried myself to sleep. Night of Tears, Part 6. The next day, I couldn't help feeling a bit empty inside. I tried to tell Barbara, my teacher because I needed someone to talk to, but she was too busy with her new non-profit to say anything more than, oh, that's sad. Night of Tears, Part 7. Strangely, my coach had told me to come on a Friday, and Fridays weren't my day, but my coach didn't care. COVID schedule or not, she couldn't get fired at this point. She said, come tomorrow, so I could say goodbye. We sure have had a lot of adventures, haven't we? I'm not leaving because of you or any of the girls. I'm just tired of being treated like this. Come tomorrow. Igor's too big of a coward to face me anymore. I was still trying to convince myself that it was all a bad dream until I arrived at the gym. Suddenly, it all became too real. I have no time to process the night before since I spent the day convincing myself it was all a ruse. I felt like a computer with too much data coming all at me at once. I didn't know how to respond. Night of Tears by Gabriella Vaculin, Part 8. So I stretched like always and joined my team in Around the Clock. That's when I realized nobody else is sad. If anything, they look normal. As hard as I tried, I couldn't act normal. I'd known my coach for nine years, and I couldn't pretend nor lie to myself. We tried to make the most of our last day by working very hard and trying to get all of our skills, such as cast handstand for tuck and full. We went on every event, and then bars came along. One of my coach's favorite students, Juliet, a super short but really strong eight-year-old, came to give her a card and one last hug goodbye. And that's when the waterworks came. I started bawling. Everyone told me to stop but because they didn't want to be sad as well, but the sadness just gushed and gushed. Bars was basically a waste because all we did was sob. Night of Tears by Gabriella Vaculin, Part 9. When practice was over, we had one last surprise in store for Patty. We'd plan a party big enough to show Patty how much we cared. Right before she walked in to see the surprise, our head coach darted quickly out of his office and out of the gym. He couldn't even say goodbye or even thank you for 40 years of loyalty. He couldn't even muster a have a nice rest of your life. He just ran, ran as if someone was chasing him. Everyone noticed and had an impact on everyone. Some kids wailed even harder and I stood in the back of the room hyperventilating. When Coach Patty walked in, the room fell silent. You could hear a pin drop. The room was very dark, but once you walked in, you could feel warmth. We knew she was there. A tear ran down my cheek, realizing that there wasn't a day left. Now maybe an hour at most. Night of Tears by Gabriella Vaculin, Pertzen. One hour to say goodbye to someone who wasn't family, but whom I loved as she was. Someone who'd always taken me back, no matter how many times I've left. Someone who'd seen me for the last nine years of my life. Someone who'd seen drastic changes that had happened to me. Someone who had watched me grow. I take that back. Coach Patty 
was family. No, is family. I took a deep breath and gathered my emotions and joined the group. We yelled, we'll miss you, Patty. She was genuinely surprised. You could see a glimmer of hope in her eyes, which was flooded away by tears. She smiled and cried at the same time. It wasn't happy crying, yet it wasn't sad crying. It made me feel a bit let- better to see her happy. The happiness quickly faded away when I realized she was still leaving. Night of Tears by Gabriella Vaculin, Part 11 I'd brought Patty some hand-picked roses from my garden. To me, she was too special to get random flowers from the pharmacy. She deserved something better. These I'd grown on my own. The roses had started out as a tiny seed, just like I had. Patty had planted me. I had started out as a tiny little baby who could barely walk. Patty took me from crawling to running, from running to balancing, from balancing to hanging, from hanging to cartwheeling, from cartwheeling to flipping. Coach Patty took me from not being anyone to being me. And now, a little break from our personal stories to a fictional world of Wendigos. Don't know what a Wendigo is? Don't worry, no one does. Have you ever had a traumatic experience? Well, I have, though it might be a little different. My name is Lily Green, and I saw a Wendigo. Wendigos are very dangerous, daring, and dauntless, and rare creatures. It was a cold and bright winter day, and I was just finishing up breakfast. I wanted to go outside to play in the snow with my dog, Bud. Bud is a golden retriever. I ate my eggs and my slightly crispy burnt bacon as fast as I could, and I rushed out the door. I could tell that Bud was just as excited as I was. We rolled in the snow and played fetch for what seemed like hours. One more, Bud. I said. One more, Bud, I said. I threw the stick as far as I could see. Bud went chasing after it, fast, his barks becoming quiet, distant. I waited for a minute, and then I called out to him. Nothing. Two minutes. Bud? Still nothing. At this point, I started to get really worried. So I entered the forest. I had only been walking for five minutes when I realized I was lost. I felt my stomach sink, and then I heard a bark. Bud, is that you? Bud, is that you? I scrambled through the thick piles of snow. I started to panic and cry a little when I heard a familiar voice. Lily, come back inside. You forgot your gloves. It sounded so familiar and so close. Come on, Lilypad. Lilypad. That was my nickname. The only person that knew that was my mom. I had so many questions. Why is my mom all the way out here? Why does she sound so calm? Is that voice even my mother's? And then the voice became distorted. Come out, lily pad. Come out, lily pad. I froze in fear. And then I saw it. 
It looked like a dark oak tree with antlers and purple eyes, claws on its toes and fingers, twigs growing out of its arm and head, thorns on its back. It's a deer with two legs. It is talking to me in my mother's voice. I see you, Lilypad. I started running frantically, trying not to look back. I could hear the loud footsteps of the wooden beast behind me. All of a sudden, I could hear a dog barking. It was Bud! I was running as fast as I could, trying to get closer and closer to my house. Bud was right next to me. I grabbed him without hesitation. I ran as fast as my legs could carry me until I got to the door, ran inside, and shut the door. My mom was confused by the action. I wouldn't be surprised. Lil. My mom confused by the action. I wouldn't be surprised. Lily, are you okay? She asked, puzzled as ever. Uh, yeah, I I'm fine. I replied, out of breath. I didn't want to worry her as our area was known for mysterious creatures and, frankly, the Wendigo was the most common. It is now 15 years later, and I live with Margot. She's my roommate. Yet no sign of the Wendigo. I still flash back to that day, wondering what would have happened if I was too slow. Speaking of my roommate, she's been running errands for a long time. Where is she? The end. Our next story is a tale about the trauma of aftercare. My foot slipped. When my head collided with the wood, I felt as though time froze. I slowly got up with this ache in my head, not knowing what had happened. I was at after school at PS217. The room had an old and haunting feeling. It smelled like burnt wood and old sneakers. I was playing with my friend Gus, and we were running around chasing each other because there wasn't much else to do. After school not only felt horrible, it lacked any creativity and sucked all hope away. But today was different. Instead of hearing floorboards creak, I heard screams echo as my head gushed blood. I couldn't think straight. My vision was blurry, and everything around me seemed wild. I got up and a horrified staff member ran to put a tissue on my head. Then I heard ambulance sirens. As I thought to myself, stuff has gotten real now. My parents came charging into the principal's office. There was panic on their faces as they tried to calm me down. It was a family panic attack. Finally, they got me into the ambulance, which smelled like bleach and melting plastic. The ambulance sped through Brooklyn, weaving in and out of traffic in New York rush hour. When we arrived at the hospital, it was horrifying. Here it smelled of blood and chemicals, and there were screams of terror from rooms up and down the hallways. I slowly limped down and reached a room that looked like a waiting room. It was bland to give off a depressing vibe, and you could occasionally hear hospital equipment. I noticed that there were people there that looked like they were waiting for years until the door opened calling my name, and I was greeted by the stench of mucus and an unamused lady that rubbed numbing cream on my head. I waited hours, occasionally hearing screams from people in surgical rooms until the door opened calling my name. 
I knew this was the end. I carefully walked in, waiting to be greeted by the surgeon. He looked at my wound with an unreadable expression. Surely this was bad. Maybe I would have a gaping hole in my head, or that I needed to have brain surgery. I told my mother I was scared, and she responded saying that it would be okay, even though I would obviously get 50 stitches or a new head. And then a surgeon called my name with a grim tone. I knew this was the end. I slowly walked inside the surgical room. The spirited doctor looked at my head and said, A couple stitches and a bandage should do. I was confused. Where was the bad news? I thought it was a goner. Oh well. I got in a cab with my mother and arrived home and was greeted by the smell of pizza. Now a story about being in a sticky slime situation. Slime Stuck on the Wall by Sadia. Smack! That was the sound of the purpley, sparkly slime as it hit the smooth snow white wall. I was at my cousin's Molly's sleepover, and it was her slime. She didn't let me play with it. I was so scared, I was even shaking. I knew she wouldn't let me play with her slime again. But right then, I had bigger problems. I was about to get in huge trouble. First, I rushed to take the most sticky and goopy slime off the wall. I needed lots of help from my sisters. Ori, Nashum, Malia. I yelled in panic. They went faster than cheetahs. Once they saw the slime, they knew it was about to go down. Malia sprinted to get wet paper towels from the kitchen. The rest tried to pull off the gloppy slime. I felt a little happier, even though there was a still there was a stain on the wall. My cousins probably were mad at me. Was their red face? eyebrows raised and getting ready to punch me for getting her special slime stuck on the wall. But I wasn't really worried about that now. My job was the lookout. The one that makes sure nobody comes into the room or sees the slime. The lookout was actually a special job because without a lookout, you would have been caught for sure. Everyone else was just trying to clean it up, but I couldn't imagine cleaning up that slime because it was so sticky now that I had touched the white wall. The white wall was so clean, there was not a single stain on it. How did they even keep the white wall so clean with a koala living in the house? Suddenly, alert, someone was coming. It was my cousin, Leah's sister, Kiani, the other koala. This was her bedroom. She was older, bigger, meaner. That than all of us. I tried to distract her while she was coming in. I asked her, what are you doing? She replied, getting my stuff. Get out of my way. What are you guys doing in my room? My sister and cousins were covering the slime like it was a huddle. My cousins got curious from the huddling and from me annoying her. She took a long time, but she finally left the room. My sister and my cousins were taking a million years to clean up that slime. If I had been in charge, it would have been done in a second. But then I saw what was taking so long. It was the stain that was so hard to get off the wall. Me and the stain faced off with each other like we were about to have a fight. I tried doing it myself, but it wasn't coming off. That's when I knew I was in real, real trouble. I even wish I never played with the slime. I knew that my parents were right. That's why they never let us play with the slime unless it's outside. 
So now I'm thinking, how am I going to tell them about the slime or when I'm going to tell them? So even though I got the slime stuck in one, at least I'm telling the truth. But why is this happening to me? I always get bad luck. Finally, I leave the stain. Then nobody can even see it. So I'm fine. I don't see them until a long time. So I see them in like almost a year. I finally see my cousin, but she comes over with a huge smile on her face. It even looks like it hurts. And then she tells me, we moved. And I knew I was safe. All the butterflies in my stomach has left. And I know I'm not going to play with the sign by the snow white wall. Hope you enjoyed our episode. Next time we'll be talking about the science of cooking. See ya.